0: You seem so far away. I'm going to keep moving closer to you unless more people come. I probably don't even need a mic. Um, But I'm going to get started because it's 2 o'clock, and uh, I want to stay on track and stay on time. Thank you for coming to my workshop. And uh, you all have your uh, pamphlet in here. I'm going to... take you through it just to explain what I'm going to be doing for the next hour. And then you can just follow along with me. So the first thing you do is put your name <laughs> on the front. That way, uh, if you lose it, you people know where to find you. So get your name on that. And then if you open up to the table of contents right here, I'm just going to walk you through what's in this journal, and we're going to get as far as we can today, Uh, but if you would turn the page to page two, uh, I'm going to be starting out sharing a little bit about my story, and that's just notes to go with that, and then on page three are key verses to seeking God, and these are all the verses or most of the verses in the Bible that tell us to seek him. And then when you get to the 21-day challenge, I am going to uh, give you a challenge when you leave here. And then I, you see what's called the Joy Journal. That is going to be your devotional you get to take home and uh, use with the Gospel of John. And then in the very back, you'll see, if you want to bother with this, an evaluation form. If anyone wants to fill it out, uh, they can. And it goes in the basket on uh, the table. So basically, that's uh, what you're holding in your hand. So before we get started, go ahead and turn to page two, where it says, Seeking God, Anita's story. And we're just going to open with a word of prayer before we get going. Father, I thank you so much, uh, first of all, to have a roof over us to protect us from the sun. We thank you for this beautiful place in creation, uh, and we thank you for meeting us here where we're at. Thank you for each one you brought here today, and I just ask for your presence here uh, to teach each of our hearts um, what we need today for what we're facing, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, where's everyone from? You're from. I know where you're from, but tell everyone else. <laughs> Lancaster, Pennsylvania. What about you two? Where? Meadville. Meadville. Okay, up. Ooh, that's a good distance, isn't it? How many hours did it take? Three and a half hours. Thank you. Did you come with people like you? okay okay great thank you for coming and over here uh where are you from, uh, from chambersburg. oh chambersburg i have relatives in chambersburg so thank you for coming and you you're yeah. lancaster too all right they're mount yeah and you're e-town you elizabeth town okay and what about you Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was a while ago. I remember that. It was an awesome church. I enjoyed it. It was really good. Thank you for coming out. All right. What about you? Where are you from? Oh, Sarah! Oh my gosh! Hello. How are you? There was a glare, and I didn't know who it was until I looked close. I was like, "Oh!" So lovely. We couldn't miss it. So she's been with me a long time. Oh, it's, it's so wonderful to see you. It's so sweet of you to come. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you living at now? Okay. Okay. Suzanne. And you're from the same area. Okay. Okay. Thanks for coming. You probably didn't have a choice, but. <laughs> and what about you? Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Okay. I've been there. <laughs> on on motorcycle recently. And what about you? Allentown. Okay. We have a business in Reading at the fairgrounds, a produce business. Well, thanks everyone uh, for coming. I really appreciate your uh, presence here. All right. We're going to get going. uh, Intro to my session on seeking God. Uh, I was very blessed to be raised in a home where I was taught to love God. You know, I remember at age five, uh, I don't remember much about age five, but I remember sitting in church one night and hearing a men's quartet sing and feeling conviction in my heart that I needed Jesus. And I remember going home and getting on my knees by my bed and asking Jesus into my heart. And as the years went on, I had a desire. I wanted to know God. I wanted to be a good Christian. I did all the right things, uh, church, youth group, all of that. Uh, but as I got into my high school years, I kind of thought I knew more than my parents, and I thought I knew more than God, and uh, I started uh, dating, I was a pretty pretty social, I uh, dated and my senior year uh, prom night, uh, I went with a guy, I hope you don't mind, I'm just telling my story, okay, I'm just being honest here. Um, we, we left the prom, uh, we went parking, and we started messing around sexually. And uh, that night, we went a little too far in my mind. I thought I was safe, but we uh, went further than we should have. Uh, the next day, uh, we got together and prayed, and we asked God to forgive us. And then... Uh, My family, a couple months later, packed up. We moved to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where my dad was going to be a pastor at a new church. And I was getting ready to attend Messiah College, and I was just a couple weeks away from going. uh, When I went to the doctor, because I knew something was wrong, and I heard those life-altering words, young lady, you're pregnant. And I remember thinking, I can't be. It doesn't happen to good people like me. Uh, I thought I had been safe, but I wasn't. And um, I'm going to make this as short as I can. My whole story is in my book. I have it over there. But um, the hardest thing was telling my parents that I was pregnant. I was 17, and... I'll never forget, we were on our way to a church picnic where the community was welcoming our family to the area. And we had to all go and pretend like nothing was wrong. And when no one was looking, I snuck away and found our car. And I remember getting in it and just crying because I was so afraid. I thought I had ruined my life. I... I messed up my parents, my family's life. I didn't know how God could ever use this for his good. And uh, as I was sitting there crying, my dear father noticed I was missing, and he found me, and he got in the car with me and just held me and comforted me. That night, we went home. We got down on our knees. We prayed together we asked God for wisdom. I didn't know what I was going to do. Abortion had just become legal the year before. And in my self-righteousness in high school, I wrote a paper on why you shouldn't get an abortion because it was taken a life. But now that I was pregnant and 17 and scared out of my mind, I started listening to the lies that this would be the easiest way out of the mess I was in. I actually have my diary here that I wrote in the night I found out. It was August 16, 1974, I wrote, it's over. You see, I thought my life was over. I'm pregnant, I don't understand why, but I am. Mom and dad are broke up. There are no words to express how I feel. Sick. How will my life turn out? I love my mom and dad. The next day I shared with my parents that I thought maybe I should get an abortion, that that was the only way out of this mess. No one would have to know that I was pregnant, not my religious relatives, not the church. I could go on to college. And I thank God that I had a mom and dad that cared more about me than their reputation. And they said to me, oh, Anita, that's not one of your options. You know, we know how you'll feel years from now. We can't let you go that way. And I was now wise enough to know that maybe this time I should listen to my parents. And I knew that they cared about me. And so now I had a very tough decision to make. What would I do about this life growing inside of me? And my parents had told me it was my decision. They would support me whatever I decided. There's a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, in my translation, uh, go into your closet and pray to your father in secret. And so that is what I did. I went into my closet. I cried. I prayed. And I asked God, what should I do? I was too naive, there was no clue I could know what would be the best plan for my baby. And so in that moment of of desperation, I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my spirit, I felt God was saying to me that the best plan for my child was to place my child for adoption. And the reason I felt that was God's voice was because of the peace that I had in my heart as I listened to that. So I went out of my closet. I told my parents that I felt the best thing for my child after praying was to place my child for adoption. Of course, being 17 and never being pregnant before, I had no idea what was gonna happen the next six months. As my baby started growing inside of me, I started falling in love with my child. You know, every time I could feel my baby kicking and moving, uh, there was this tug at my heart. And the closer I got to the due date, the more I said to God, I can't go through with this. I can't give up my own flesh and blood. And so uh, one day, as I was driving somewhere and I had the radio on, I had a speaker, I don't even know who he was, I don't know what he was talking about, but I heard one thing he said and I knew it was for me. And I have this written at the top of the page uh, under my story, it, he went like this, never doubt in the dark what God has told you or what you have learned in his light. And for me, when I heard that statement, I felt God was saying to me, Anita, You were in the light when you were in the closet praying, and I gave you the best plan, but your emotions are gonna take you into the dark. Hang on to what I told you in the light when you were in the closet. So that was kind of the moment where the deal was sealed, so to speak. I knew that no matter what my emotions were screaming, that I would stick with the plan. So January 25th, 1975, I went into Lancaster General Hospital. My parents were able to go with me. I was 18 by that time. I gave birth to a little girl. And back in the ancient days, uh, adoptions were all closed. And so they had encouraged me not to see my child or to hold my child. And so I listened. And I looked back on that, and I realized, truthfully, that was probably a mistake but i heard my baby cry my eyes were shut and then the nurses taking her away and you know the hardest day of my life was the day i left the hospital without my little girl and it began a journey of loss and grief and trust i had to trust god that he would put her in a good loving home which is what i asked for i asked the adoption agency, if they would please place my child in a strong Christian home. But that's all I could do. I couldn't pick any parents or anything. Yeah. I had to go on with my life and trust that maybe someday God would bring her back into my life, although I didn't get my hopes up on that. I went on to college. Uh, eventually, I met my husband, and God blessed my husband and I with four children of our own. Uh, two girls and then I jokingly say twin boys that almost did me in Uh, but anyway uh, very blessed with four children of our own but you see I never forgot my daughter and as a birth mom my greatest desire was that she would know I loved her but I had no way to tell her and so as the years went on one day I thought you know what If my daughter ever wants to find me, I'm gonna make it easy. So I called the agency, I updated my records, my married name, my address, my phone number. And when I called the agency, here to my surprise, they told me if I wanted to, I could start a file for her. That I could write letters, I could send in pictures to them and they would place it in a file. And when she turned 18, legally, if she ever wanted information about her birth mom or her parents, she she could call in and they would be allowed to give her this file. I was ecstatic that I had a way to communicate to her that I loved her. And I began writing letters to her and sending them into the agency And, you know, every letter I wrote, I made sure she knew two things. How much I loved her and that I'd love to be in a relationship with her when she was ready. Obviously, I couldn't make her get the file, right? I couldn't make her want to know anything about me. But the letters were there if she was ever ready. Well, she turned 18, 19, 20, 21. Nothing happened. And at 21, I finally, uh, really, I couldn't take the pain anymore of thinking, what if she's struggling with uh, rejection and abandonment issues because of her adoption? And she doesn't know there's these letters telling her how loved she was or is. And so I called the agency, and I said, I don't even know if this is possible or allowed, but is there a way you can find my daughter... And just tell her there's a file. I know I can't, you know, force my way into her life, nor would I want to. You know, you can't make someone love you, right? And so I just, I just wanted to know there's a file. And so to my shock, uh, really, they said, well, we can try, but we can't promise that we can find her. So I said, that's all I can ask. And so within a week, I got a phone call saying they had found her. For the first time, I heard her name. It was Twyla. And they said she was kind of surprised. She wasn't expecting the phone call naturally. And she needed time to talk to her husband. I was surprised to find out she was married. I was even more surprised that she had just had a little girl, a baby girl. So now I was a grandma. And uh, I was blown away. But they said um, she would talk to her family about it and get back. But in the meantime, she was willing to write me a letter through the agency to just let me know how she was doing. I could not wait till the letter came. If anyone wants to read it, it's in the back of my book. You don't have to buy the book. Uh, You can just grab it and read it. But when this letter came, I was so excited for the first time. I was hearing something from her. And I was going to learn about my daughter. And do you think I read it one time and put it down and said, that was nice? Uh Uh-uh. I've read that letter over and over and over. Because, you see, I didn't know if I would ever get another one. This might be the only one. Come in, ladies. Just have a seat. And when we get to it, those are your journals. (laughs) Uh, anyway I read this letter over and over so excited to learn something about my daughter well eventually my daughter got the file uh, read my letters and we began communicating till we felt we were ready to meet what a gift it was to see my daughter's face for the very first time to be able to hug her to be able to give her gifts to be able to be a part of her life. And uh, I'm gonna fast forward a minute just to say that uh, now she only lives a half hour from me. I have, she has six children and I have two great grandkids now uh, that they all allow me to be a part uh, of their life. But the reason I share uh, my story with you today is because of what happened after I met my daughter. Uh, One day I was uh, reading my Bible, and I was in Acts chapter 17, and honestly, if you just turn to the front of your journal, this was the verse that popped out to me that forever changed the direction of my life. Just to give you the background of this verse, Paul is in Athens, and he's walking through town. He sees all these idols but he sees this one idol that's marked unknown God. And so he gets together in town, gets all the people together, and he points out this idol that says unknown God, and he said, I want to tell you who that God is. And this is what he told them. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And it goes on to say, as your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So it was in that moment that I read that verse that the words seek jumped off at me notice i have it highlighted there and i thought wait a minute god you created me to seek you oh what does that mean because if that's what you created me for i want to be doing it you know so i grabbed my dictionary i looked up the word seek and it means to look intently for i mean really look To want to find. To seek means to want to find. And in that moment, God began his download over my heart. And he said, Anita, you ought to understand that little word seek better than anybody else. You know how you wanted your daughter Twyla to seek you? To want to find you? That is how I feel about all my offspring. I want them to look for me. Not just look. Look intently for me. I want them to just want to find me. And then he went on and said, and you know how you started a file with letters for your daughter, telling her how much you loved her and that you want to be in a relationship with her? I have a file This is God's file, full of letters. And he said, the same reason you put letters in your daughter's file are the same reason I put letters in my file. I want all my kids to know how much I love them and how I want to be in a relationship with them. But, like you, I can't make them open it. They have to want to find me. And you know what that feels like. You see, for years, I had pain in my heart because I wanted my daughter to know how much she was loved. But I could never force her to open my file and read my letters. And I'm here to tell you that your Heavenly Father loves you so much. And He wants all of us to know how loved we are and that He wants to be involved in our life. He wants to be a part Uh, be in a relationship with us. But you know what? He'll never make you open the Bible. He won't. And to be honest, how else can he tell that we really want to seek him and know him unless we open his file and read his letters? And he also wasn't done with me that day. He said to me, I noticed something, Nita. You don't read my letters like you read hers. You see, I couldn't wait till I got her letters. I read them over and over for the joy of just knowing my daughter. I didn't even know if I'd ever see her face. But I had these letters, and it made her real to me. And so is God's word. I've never seen God. And until the grand reunion with him... This is all I have to tell me who God is. These are his letters to me. And I had to apologize to God and say, I'm so sorry. I just read your letters because I wanted to be a good Christian, and that's what we should do. And it became homework. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You know, when you have to read your Bible, it's just not any fun. But when you choose to read God's word because you just want to know him, it becomes joy. That's why my ministry is called Joy Shot. Uh, the joy has come because I love being in his word, getting to know him till I meet him face to face. So what I did, I thought, well, Lord, if you created us to seek you, oh, uh, What does that look like then? I know I'm to read my Bible. Well, I'm not going to take the time to do this today, but I do want you to look at page three in your journal because I'm going to give you something to do this week, the rest of the week while you're here. You will see that there's several pages of verses. I went through the Bible and I picked out a lot of verses where God commands us to seek him. I'm not here making this up. God commands us to seek him. I'm just going to read the first um, uh, four verses, and I'm not going to read the reference. You just follow along. But if from there, in other words, I love this, if from today, here, you are all here, if from today you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him, if, did you notice that word? If you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Next verse, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face when you feel like it. What does it say? Seek his face what? Always. Now, I want you to think about this. Now that I'm a parent, I understand God a little bit better. So, as a parent, I used to command my kids, floss your teeth. You know why? Because I wanted them to have nice-looking teeth, okay? Um, As parents, every command we give our kids, if you're still at home and you have parents and they have these rules for you, it's all about that they love you and they're trying to protect you, right? That's all they're trying to do. They are trying to protect you because they love you so much and this is how God's rules God's laws are he loves us so much he's trying to protect us and see I had to command my kids floss your teeth brush your teeth because you know what they wouldn't do it unless I told them like I remember one week asking my boys did you brush your teeth this week no it had been a couple weeks You know, you have to keep on your kids. Did you do this? Did you do this? You know, because we command things because we know it's not natural. And I believe God, knowing us because he made us, he knew we would need that command. Seek the Lord. Seek me. And so your homework I'm going to give you for this week, and I hate to call it homework. It's more about getting excited of what you're going to learn. But I want you to take the time to read through all of these verses. And as you read through them, I want you to either highlight or circle, whatever, every promise you see if you seek the Lord. Okay? Everybody understand? You read through them, and everything you see that God promises will happen to you or He'll give you if. You seek the Lord. You will get really motivated and excited about the idea of seeking God, looking for Him, and getting to know Him. So that is your assignment for this, the rest of this week. But if uh, I'm going to tell you something in advance. There are three verses in here that tell us to set our hearts on seeking God. And so the bulk of my time here with you, the next 15 minutes or so, um, I am going to tell you how to set your heart. Okay, on page 3, I'm just going to read the verses. Uh, 2 Chronicles 12, 14, halfway down the page. He, King Ramboam, did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Turn the page, 2 Chronicles 19, 3. There is, however, some good in you... Jehu the seer, speaking to King Jehoshaphat, for you have set your heart on seeking God. Two verses down, 2 Chronicles 30, 18 to 19. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God. How do you and I set our heart? I think, everyone, you're here because you love God, you know God, or else you're curious and want to know more about God. But if he created you and I to seek him, how do we do that? How do we set our heart on seeking him? Turn the page to page number nine. And I'm going to go through these as quick as I can. Okay. So I'm old. I'm si- I shouldn't say that because some might be older than me, but I am 65. So I've been at this a long, long time. My parents taught me To have daily devotions. And so I grew up learning, you should read your Bible, you should pray, right? Uh, I had that advantage. But for all my years, it was easy, sort of, when I was in high school, and then I got into college, and then I got married. And those of you who know what I'm talking about, having a quiet time with God, you can relate to this. You do good for a little while, and then you get sidetracked. And it goes a long while, and then you hear a good message. Oh, yeah, I want to read my Bible. So you get going again, and I call it the roller coaster, you know. That's how most of my Christian life was. I spent time with God when it suited me. I was a part-time seeker. And um, God convicted me one day when I was really stressed out about my life. There was a lot of things going on, and I was stressed. And I cried out to him, and he said, Anita, you know what your problem is? Again, this wasn't audible in my spirit. I heard him talk to me about Matthew 6:33. You know what your problem is, Anita? You don't seek me first. In that passage, Jesus is talking to the people, the multitudes in the mountains. Here we are, the multitudes in the mountains. And he's talking to them about their life. Don't worry about your life. How many of us worry about our life? what are we going to do? What's going to happen to so-and-so and and my family? There's so many things to worry about. And he said, don't worry about your life. Instead, seek first. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all the things you're worried about are going to be taken care of. This is the secret. It's no secret because we can read it. honestly for me I found out the secret to growing and being led by God is seeking him first so what does that mean to seek God first for me it means that every day I wake up the number one thing I need to do is spend time with Jesus you see he can't be lord of your life if he isn't lord of your day that's just how it is And so for me, to seek Him first means that every day I get up, this is the most important relationship I will ever have with anybody. So you better believe it. I'm going to spend time with God every day because He's the most important to me. And so that to me is what it means to seek first. It means to seek a relationship with Him first over all your responsibilities, over all your worries and distractions. And uh, have you ever noticed when you do feel inspired to open your Bible and have a quiet time, what usually happens. Some distraction happens, right? I can't even keep my smartphone near me because if I see something come in or I think, oh, I need to do this, all I got to do is pick it up and boom, it's over. I'm not going to spend any more time with God. I'm going to spend more time here than I do with God this is our idol today Um, I love it my smartphone but it is an idol so anyway um, I want you to understand that the thief is out to steal kill and destroy our lives and the number one way he does that in believers lives is he keeps you out of the word of God does anybody understand what I'm saying he does not want you to grow close to Jesus Christ Because if you prioritize your relationship with Jesus and you spend time with him, you are going to impact somebody's life for Christ. And he does not want that. So he will fight against you every day to keep you out of the word because he doesn't want you to carry that light to your home, to your community, to your school and where you work. So, okay, I know I need to be in the Word. I know I need to prioritize my relationship with Jesus. How do I set my heart on seeking God? Here we go. Get ready. These are the things that helped me to finally uh, become a persistent seeker of God. Uh, But in your hearts, 1 Peter 3.15, Peter tells us, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. I looked up the word set. What does it mean if I want to set my heart on seeking God? It means to be determined in advance, prepared for action. So this session is about preparing you for action when you leave here today to seek God with all your heart. Number one, it all starts with desire. Pray for the desire. You see, for years, I had the desire to watch General Hospital. Probably you young people don't know what that is. But it was a soap opera every day at 3 o'clock. I made sure every day at 3 o'clock I could watch that stupid show. I look back on that time in my life and say, why didn't I have the desire to spend time with God? You see, it all comes down to desire. The reason we don't spend time with God is because we don't desire it enough. And so it's okay. Pray. This is what I do all the time. Even though I'm persistent, I continue to pray, God, give me the desire to want to know you. Give me the desire to want to spend time with you. First Peter 2.2, underneath your point. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So start praying for the desire, God. I know I should be in your word, but I really just don't desire to do it, so help me. I need help. Number two, got to make the decision to meet with him daily. Make the decision to meet with him daily. You see, if you don't make this decision, it will never happen. And now some of you are going to be saying to yourself, well... I've done that before, and it works for a couple weeks, and then I get sidetracked, and I haven't done it for months now. So make the decision again. You just keep making this decision that daily I am going to spend some time with the most important person in my life, Joshua 24, 15. Uh, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. I'll tell you what, in my household, I'm not responsible for anyone else. I'm only responsible for me. So as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I pray my household does too. But I can't make them. I'm only responsible for me you got to settle the issue. The next point under number two. Settle the issue of authority in your life. Who does your life belong to? My life belongs to God. Period. Number three. If you're going to set your heart on spending time with God, this is the next important point. Decide the place and time. It's kind of like a date. Like when I'm going to meet a good friend, we pick a place and we pick a time and voila, there we are. I found in my past, I just kind of would spend time with God whenever, wherever. But when I got serious about seeking God, I came up with a plan. It's a certain time every day to the best of my ability. And for me, it's early in the morning and I have a special place like... I built a room in my new house, believe it or not, that I can just be alone with Jesus. It's awesome. But you don't need to do that. But just pick a place and time that you're going to meet with God. Proverbs 24, 14. As a door hinge turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. I have that in there because I've found to be successful, I have to get up early. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and read this next quote. Most of you might probably won't like this this is from bruce wilkinson who wrote um prayer of jabez but this is from his book uh, secrets of the vine he says unless you get up early you're unlikely to break through to a deeper relationship with god now the reason i have this quote in there <laughs> is because, well, the verse in the quote is, you know what, I don't really like getting up early. Does anybody else, I mean, extra early? You know, some people are really early people. But, you know, what's the first thing, if we know we have to get up early and we set our alarm and it goes off, what's the first thing we want to do? Hit that snooze, oh, just 15 more minutes. You snooze, you lose. I'm just telling you. Uh, I have found that if I don't get up early, I don't meet with God. And therefore, my relationship doesn't grow as quickly as I would like it to. So if this isn't in here to condemn anyone. I'm just telling you that it is hard to be consistent in spending time with God if you don't prioritize it first thing in the morning. But you know what? It's not about the time. I just want you to remember this. It's about giving him the time when you're at your best. Okay? So maybe your best is in the afternoon. Maybe your best is in the evening. I don't know. But when can you give him your best? And for me, it's early in the morning, Uh, Under point number three, I have one more little blank, and I call it the Sunday morning lie. The Sunday morning lie. For years, I never had a quiet time on Sunday mornings. Why would you do that when you're going to church? But I found out that God wanted to meet with me Sundays as well. And I learned that in spending time with him on Sunday mornings, I went to church in the mood for church. And I could be a blessing to other people instead of church being all about me. Uh, number four, allow sufficient time. Uh, you need time if you want to grow in a relationship with, with people. Where's my girls at that are helping me? Back here, Kayla, Lila, and Elizabeth, right, or no? Elizabeth, okay. I, I, I met these girls this week, and I can say I know them, right? because I've met them, but I don't really know them because I haven't spent a lot of time with them. They have been so kind. They have been my volunteers helping me with everything. They've been wonderful. But every time I get a few minutes with them, I get to know them more. Now, if we'd hang out every day for a year and we come back here, wouldn't you agree that next year I'll know them a lot better than I do right now at this moment? Only because we spent time with them. And so my question is, how well do you want to know God? It all depends on how much time you give him. But give him enough time that you can actually get to know him. I love in Mark 1.34, Jesus spent time with his father. And I like how it is described. He doesn't just say early in the morning. He says very early in the morning. And then he goes to describe it a little further. While it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Even Jesus, the Son of God, gave his Heavenly Father time uh, to be with him. So underneath that, I have watch out for the no-time lie. We all have time to do what we want to do. Very last point, uh, well, on this page, no-time lie. Okay, turn the page, we're getting there. F.B. Meyer, the Bible seldom speaks and certainly never its deepest, sweetest words to those who always read in a hurry. For years, I just read my Bible in a hurry because I had to get somewhere. And I'm just telling you, when you're in a hurry, uh, you don't hear him speak as well. Charles Stanley, if you don't have the time for prayer and Bible study, Satan is winning the war in your life. I want you to think about that statement. If you don't have time... To open your Bible and get alone with Jesus. Satan isn't maybe winning the war. He is winning the war. And we can't let that happen as, uh, as believers. Number five, you got to have a plan. If you want to set your heart on seeking God, uh, you got to have a plan. Uh, I like God's plan here in Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. I'm so excited to be able to tell you you're going to leave here with a plan for the next 21 days. Uh, I have just found that if I don't have a plan in place, I'm not very successful. And a plan is as simple as reading a chapter a day. That's a plan. Uh, Number six, keep a daily written record of what God is doing in your life. Yes, that kind of goes with journaling. I don't like to journal. I hate to write. I have horrible handwriting, and it takes time. Uh, But I found that when I write back to God, I listen better. Does that make sense? Like, if you read a passage of Scripture and you know you're going to respond back to God by writing something, you're going to listen better as you read. Uh, I love Jeremiah 32. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. So as I read a passage of scripture, that's what I write in my journal, what God spoke to me that day. Sometimes I don't have much to say. The next time I have a lot to say. Uh, It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of responding to what he has spoken in your heart. Next blank under point number six. Journaling brings a sense of intimacy and reality to our relationship with an invisible God. I'll repeat that. Journaling brings a sense of intimacy and reality to our relationship with an invisible God. Maybe today a better way uh, would be to say, like, I'm away from home right now, and the only way I can really communicate, uh, because I have poor cell reception or whatever, is I text, you know, I send messages all the time of texting, and then people text me back, and we go back and forth, and as we 're texting, you see every message we send is is uh, building a relationship right i mean if if you can't well someone at once asked me, "How do you hear God speaking to you and i 'm like well i've never heard an audible voice, but if um I, I don't live near Susan, so I want to communicate, but I can't call her. So I'm going to text her, and she gets my message. She opens it. She texts me back and gives me her answer. Is she not speaking to me? Yeah. It's just not audible. So anytime you open your Bible and read, it is God speaking to you. He is speaking. Uh, we just don't hear it audibly. But... Um, just know as you write down uh, thoughts that God gives you, you're building intimacy with him. Last point, seven. Share what you have learned with someone. Share what you have learned with someone. Philemon 1.6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You see, if you're not daily feeding yourself God's word, you're not going to have anything to share with anybody that's of any good. I don't think we understand that. If I only go to church once a week, and that's the only time I open my Bible, that's equivalent to a person who only eats one meal a week. So a person who eats one meal a week, just think this through with me, In a year's time, what will they look like? Will they look like life, strong, like, wow, they look awesome? No. I don't even know if you could live on one meal a week, but if you could, I'm going to guess you would look like skin and bones. You would not look healthy. People would stare at you and say, what is wrong with her? And we don't understand in the church that we don't look healthy. We don't look strong when we're not feeding ourselves on a regular basis. So I really want to encourage you here today. This is what my session is about. Take responsibility for your walk with God. If you want to know someone, you've got to put in time with them. It's just how it is. And it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So I'm going to send you home with a plan. Look at the next page, page 11. I call this the 21-day challenge because they say it takes 21 days to make a habit. There happens to be 21 chapters in the book of John. So uh, what I'm going to challenge you with, and you will see this under... If you turn a couple pages you'll see joy journal. There you will see the gospel of John. You'll see day 1, day 2, day 3. You'll see John printed out for you one chapter at a time and with questions. If you want to use those questions to journal with, answer, respond to, it's just a guide to help you grow. But basically um page 11 I'm just going to walk it th- through what to do and then I will let you go, but Every time I pick up the Bible, the first thing I do is make a request. I pray and I ask God to help me to get things because sometimes I'm slow, slow in understanding. But I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me uh, what he wants me to know that day. Then I read my assignment for today, whether it's a chapter or if it's just a passage, whatever, but read the scripture, read that letter from God. Then I have written down here a few questions that you can reflect on. And, again, this is just to get you started, to get your brain stimulated. But uh, here's some things you can do after you've read a a chapter. Uh, Highlight verses that speak to your heart and then write down, well, why does this speak to me? And don't write about it. Like, write to him. Like, I try not to sit down and write and say, well, this is what I learned about God today. Instead, I'm like, God, this is what I learned about you today. I'm writing to him not about him if that makes sense to you another question is what is it i ask him jesus what do you want me to know about you maybe the passage is about god the father or the holy spirit but the whole focus is we want to know god we want to know the father we want to know jesus and the holy spirit uh, next point jesus what are you telling me you want me to do today how do you want me to live Look for repeated words and phrases and then highlight them uh, as parents. When I repeat a message over and over and over to my kids, it's because I want them to get something, right? And I, I so often find that in scripture uh, where Jesus repeats words over and over uh, because he wants us to understand some truths. Is there a verse you should memorize? Write it down. Stick it on a post-it note. Do whatever you need. Is there a verse that totally wows you if you really believe it? Uh, there's a lot of times I skim through the Bible and there are these promises and I don't really believe them. And so I encourage you to look for those wow verses, wonder of wonders. Wow, this is a promise from God that I can claim. And then the last part is my response, and that's my prayer time back to God. You know, I respond in different ways and everybody's different, but... I love praying God's word back to him. Whatever I've read that day, like if it says, Jesus says, the new command I give you to love one another, I'll say, well, Lord, you know I'm really struggling today with loving so-and-so. I need some help. You know, so that's what I mean. You take the scripture, you pray it back to God and ask him to help you. Uh, For sure, I have to ask him to help me to obey. When there's things he speaks to me that are hard, I'll ask him to help me to be obedient. And um, you know what? I'm just gonna, if you don't mind me, I'm leaving my script. A quote that sticks in my mind often that I learned the hard way The cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. That is a truth. So, the cost for us to obey God. The paycheck is awesome, but the cost of a disobedience is a lot of pain and heartache, I know from experience. So ask him to help you to obey him. Worship him, praise him, give him thanks. Leave your time with God expecting him to answer your prayers and to be faithful to what he's told you he's gonna do. And for sure, anytime I'm in the word, I find something I need to repent of. Uh, I can get really lousy attitudes and uh, wrong mindsets. So I I wanna be open to God speaking to me, telling me what changes I need to make in my life. uh, And I repent of it. Um, Okay, we have a choice here. It's five of three. What we're gonna do, those who wanna leave can get up and leave, cause you might need to leave. So don't feel embarrassed if you get up and leave. If you have 10 more minutes, I would like to practice this. If you turn in your, over to the next page, page 12 and page 13, I would like us to be quiet. I would like you to read the first 17 verses in john 15 if you have time to do this and then just answer one or two questions on the next page like uh what were the repeated words you saw um what were verses that spoke to you um i just find this part very helpful if we just actually take the time to do it uh If anyone wants to get up and leave right now, go for it. I mean, it's fine. And if you have 10 minutes, I'm just going to give you like eight minutes to read the passage, highlight repeated words, uh, write what you learn about Jesus. And the reason I picked this passage out for us to do is because you see right here in John 15, Jesus knows he's going to be dead in 24 hours, but his best friends don't know that. And so he, this is like his deathbed wish. He's telling them what he wants them to remember when he's gone, and this is what he wants you and I to remember when we're gone. So if you can stay awake uh, long enough, uh, I'm going to set my timer here for like eight minutes, read it, highlight repeated words, anything that stands out to you, and then I might ask you to share if you feel like it. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't know music was going to start, so uh, I wasn't looking at the schedule. Uh, Before you leave, is there anybody who just wants to share, what was something new that popped out at you? Did you notice some repeated words? What? Remain. Remain. That was a big one. Does anyone know what does it mean to remain in Jesus? Any thoughts on that? What does that look like to us, to remain with him? I can't hear you. Stay consistent. Uh, Stay with him. I I looked up the word remain, abide, and it's like being at home. You know, like I can't wait when I'm traveling to go home and be abiding there. And so to consistently abide with him means to just be with him uh, consistently, which requires setting your heart. You know, to open God's word and spend time with him. Uh, Prayer is the biggie and God's word. Those two ways are how we remain and abide. There was another repeated word a lot that God wants of us. Anyone see it? Uh, The branch and the vine. Uh, He's the vine and we are the branch. And I don't know if you've ever seen a branch, but you look out at the branches. Are they working? Are they hanging on for dear life? No, they're just there. That tree, you know, is holding them. So God is holding us. We are the branch. And last, uh, there were several words, but I will close with this. Read through it again and mark the word, bear fruit. That is repeated over and over. You see, God wants you and I to bear fruit for him, not just some fruit, but a lot of fruit. Uh, so anyway, this was just to get you started. I pray you'll go home. some point, start the 21-day challenge and read John. And uh, I have, if anyone wants additional reading plans, these are two boxes. I have them up here at my table. Uh, One last thing. Are any of you familiar with Right Now Media by any chance? Well, those of you who have it at your church, I have a Bible study series on there called The Joy of Seeking God First. And what I did today is a part of that series. So you can tell your church about it. So thank you for coming. God bless. If you know anyone who can benefit, send them up here tomorrow, okay?